0: Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. Pastor Andy has returned from vacation and will resume our series in the book of Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 5. On the cross, Jesus took the shame you're so desperate to avoid so that you never have to experience that shame. In Jesus, you are loved and forgiven and totally accepted, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. Jesus paid your debt. This means that when you are honest with God about your rebellion, there will be no anger or condemnation. There will only be love and forgiveness.
1: I'm I'm still employed. Yes. This is a big concern after coming back from vacation every summer. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys. Oh, I love you. Hi to everybody online. Hello. Can we say hi to our online people, our online friends? Hi, Hi, everybody. We love you guys so much, uh, man, it is so good to be here. Uh, we ha- April and I had a vacation and we started that vacation with uh, being sick with COVID. Uh, and I was the only one uh, who didn't get it, uh, which means I sinned less, uh, so that's not how it works. Uh, but we're So, so we, well, we're very grateful, uh, everybody's healthy now, everybody's fine. <coughs> Um, and uh, so we're, we're good. We're good. No, no issues there. Um, yeah, but it's really good to be back. It's really good to be back with y'all. Man, I love you guys. I love our church. It's so great. Um, let me introduce you to who we are, just in case you're new or if you're watching online. Uh, this is what we believe. These are, this is the movement that we see all throughout Scripture. And this is the movement that we see how God works in our lives over and over and over again. Number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Amen? Amen? You are not defined by what's been done to you or what you've done. You are defined by the one who has saved you. Amen? Amen. There's always hope, always hope. We're learning to live from our identity in Christ rather than the identity of being absolutely crushed. Second, we believe that, that we are always called to trust in our risen Savior, moment by moment. Not once a year, not once a month, not once a week on Sunday mornings, not, not when you pray just in the morning and then you go about blissfully your day, moment by moment by moment. In him we live and move and have our being. Every breath that we take is because he gives it to us. Amen? Amen? And we trust Him, things that we cannot control, things that we cannot do. We ask Him not to have strength so that we can operate independently of Him, but that we have strength so that we can rely and depend on Him and follow His very voice in our life. Third, right now, right where you are, even with all of your foibles and mess-ups and slips up and your doubts and... Your disbelief and all of the things that you did last night and all the things that you're going to do for the rest of the day, God wants to use you right this instant to be a blessing to other people, to literally put the world back together again, again, to bring restoration and literal resurrection to people's lives. That's what Jesus wants for you. And in fact, as you do that, then you start to understand why there is hope. And as you do that, that becomes moments where you trust. Does that make sense? God wants to use you. And in today's scripture passage in Acts chapter 5, we're going to see all of these things at play and how, they're, and how the early church succeeded and then utterly failed. And isn't that great? That We're in the exact same boat, right? Uh, we're, we're all human beings. And, and so... This journey of faith that we get to be on has been the same for thousands of years. And so every every single day, every single moment, we get to make a choice to choose Jesus. And that's why we proclaim this out loud. This is our choice that we make and we do it together as a church and we say it loudly because we need encouragement sometimes, amen? So let's proclaim this together. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God, therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus, I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in His resurrection work." Oh, you guys. So this summer, I'm so grateful for Paul. Thank you, Paul, for preaching. Thank you. It's really great to have a break. And, and it's really great to have a break and to come back, and the church isn't like in shambles, and staff isn't like in full-on like revolt, and you know, if the place burned down, no one would be disappointed, but um, but uh, allegedly, allegedly, uh, you know, but but you guys, it's just so great. So thank you, Paul, and thank you for our team putting together. Can we say a a real quick prayer from Matt Vargo, who made that video? He's our minister of magic, so he does all the tech stuff that is magical. No one knows how he does it. Uh, He is the ultimate job security. He's under the age of 40, and he knows about tech. So um, uh, can we pray for him? His back has been out. And so Matt and Nadia, if you're watching online, Nadia, can you put your hand on Matt's back? And then we're all just going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, we ask right now that you would bring restoration for Matt's back, that you would bring healing to Matt's back, that you would align that which is out of alignment, that you would calm the nerves, that you would bring healing. We need our Matt, and we love him, and we bless him. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. And Matt, if you don't show up to work, it'll be on your 90-day review, so get better. (laughs) it's a joke, it's a joke, okay, uh, one last prayer, can I just pray protection for us real quick, because one of the things that uh, I, I gave Paul, uh, you know, the opportunity to preach on Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, which is, we're going to talk about it today, and basically they're Christians who get killed, and, um, and so it's a really encouraging message today, And I said, and I was hoping Paul would preach it and then I could like go on Acts chapter six, which would be way more encouraging, but Paul really stretched it out and uh, (laughs) left me with this one. Uh, So as you should, as you should. Um, So can I pray protection for us? Jesus, would you please protect our space right now? If we're at home or in a car or in our bedrooms or here um, in the sanctuary, just protect us, bless us. We bind and mute and silence the enemy now in Jesus' name. Defend us, Father, from the attacks of the evil one. Open our hearts. We say to our own spirits, awake, oh my soul. God, there's so uh, much resistance in us to hear the hard news of the gospel. And so we just mute and silence and bind that resistance now in Jesus' name. God, create space so that we could actually hear you and then give us the courage today to hold on to your heart for us and to make the next steps for freedom. Bless this time. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Open our ears and our eyes. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So last like eight or I don't know how long we've been in Acts, like the last year and a half, Uh, No, just the summer. Uh, We've been looking at all the different ways that the Holy Spirit reveals himself. Remember how in the Old Testament, God reveals himself moment by moment. That's why you have God has different names. Adonai, which means Lord or Almighty One. And then El Shaddai uh, or Jireh, the one who provides or uh, on and on and on because that's people's experience of God, right? And the Holy Spirit does the exact same thing. At first it was the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us life and he revives us and that the church is born. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who provides and miracles and food and all kind of amazing community is created. And then all of the early church, these people filled with the Holy Spirit, they're trusting Jesus. They're giving up their little self-salvation projects. And as, as they trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit... Even though they're persecuted from the outside, the Holy Spirit is moving them to be generous and and to love and to pray even more. And the results are incredible. Would you read with me what happens? This is where Paul uh, left off in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Read this out loud with me. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their positions was their own, but they shared everything they had and with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So first of all, um, it, it's, it's not as though um, this is the basis for socialism or communism. This is the basis for generosity. This is the basis that says, all gifts have been given to me by my Savior. Therefore, everything that I have, I will not hold on desperately to, but I will make available to what God wants me to use. And I know that God wants me to provide for my family, and, and I also know that God wants me to be generous. I'm just not entitled to have my way all the time. I'm going to be generous because the Savior of the universe was generous towards me. Picking up what he's putting down? Let's keep on reading. Next slide. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. God's grace was so powerfully at, God's grace was so power, I'm going to come back to that. That's why I repeated it three times. That's a 50-pound sentence right there, okay? Verse 34, what happens when God's grace is so powerfully at work in the church? Are you ready? That there were no needy persons among them. That doesn't mean that everybody had Alexis. That just means that everybody's needs were met. Make sense? For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostle's feet, and is distributed to anyone who had need. Amazing! Everyone had one heart, one mind, committed to ensure that everyone was loved, that everyone had what they needed. They used their money to help each other, their homes, their houses to 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 welcome people, so that everybody had a place to live. Their their food, their businesses, to employ people, all of it. And when the church flourishes, people pay attention. What you don't know about this time in Jerusalem was that it was bad. It was really bad in Jerusalem. There had just been a recent plague. A lot of people were sick. A lot of people were starving. A plague also affects your health, but also there was a drought that was happening at the same time, which means the harvest was low which means there was a food shortage. And there's no Medi-Cal. There's no Medicare. There's no in-home supportive services for those who are disabled. There's no food banks. There's no WIC program for women and children who are in need. That's why you had the sick and the hungry and the poor piled up all at the gates of Jerusalem. There's no welfare There's no social security. There's no disability. And they were there hoping for God to give them a miracle. They weren't expecting for other people to provide their needs because nobody else had anything. They were wanting God to provide a miracle. And then the Holy Spirit shows up, the church is born, and what kind of community is created? These Jesus followers start sharing what they have And just like Jesus breaking bread and distributing the loaves and fishes, all of a sudden, everybody has what they need. And you know what happens? All of those sick and disabled people that were piled up at the gates, they're no longer there. Somebody say Shazam. They're healed. Legs. Now work. Bones now stitched together. Brains now healed. Addictions now recovered. What? Shazam. That's right. The birth of the church literally changed how the city looked. Look at verse 33. Go back one. Read it with me. It's the top line. Read it loud. Come on, put some some pepper on it. And God's grace was so powerfully at work. And grace is an undeserved gift. God's grace is undeserved forgiveness. It's undeserved love. It's undeserved salvation. It's undeserved life. It's not an undeserved parking spot at Trader Joe's. That's not God's grace. That's just somebody left, okay? God's grace isn't that everything works out the way that you think it should. That's not God's grace. God's grace is down at the center of who you are at your very core, which means that all these people in the church, early church, wrestled in the church forever, wrestled with the reality that their sin made them undeserving. When you take seriously the fact that you deserve nothing, then you can hear the message of the gospel that you are worthy of everything because he loves you. They let God's love define them, not their past. They let God's mercy define them, not their mistakes. They let God's affection define them, not their wounds. If you've ever played a sport, anybody ever played a team sport before? Six of you, okay. Anybody ever watched a team sport before? Okay, great. When you've played a team sport, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice. And then you play the game. And if everybody's on the same page, you're unstoppable, right? You're unstoppable. But if one person just doesn't get on the same page, right, or they're not paying attention, like my favorite was baseball, right? we practice, practice, practice. We had an undefeated little league team. We were, I was an all-star catcher, all-star. I'm like, I was, whoo, so great, right? I loved playing baseball. But all it took was the left fielder going like this, right, at the exact same time that the ball was hit towards him, and then all of a sudden, in that one pivotal moment, the game changes, and you can either win or lose. It doesn't matter if 17 of us all pulled in one direction, if one of us was like, doo doo right? At that pivotal moment, that can make a huge difference doesn't necessarily make a huge difference all the time, but it can. The church is no different. Y'all, we're not playing a game. This is real life, and we are in a battle. The early church and this happens thousands of times all throughout church history, is pulling in the same direction, which means they're not thinking to themselves, oh, hey, the pastors are praying, I don't have to. Oh, hey, somebody's probably more wealthy than me, so they're giving, so I don't have to. You know what? That church thing or that that other thing, Uh, the church that will always be there, I'll just go, No, no, no. They prioritized the kingdom of God because they understood that they were in a spiritual battle and literally they saw as they all pulled in the same direction, miracles started breaking out. Every decision that you make matters because you matter. And what the enemy wants to do once you get saved, the enemy can't steal your salvation, but he can steal your effectiveness. He can have you so focused on you and your belly button lint and how you feel and what you want and whether or not you're okay and whether or not it all works out for you that you never actually lift your head up and say, I am a daughter or a son of the King of Kings and my prayers matter, and what I say matter, and what I do matter, and that my acts of simple generosity and kindness and love and paying attention to people literally can change the world. So you stop praying for God's kingdom to come, and you start praying, I want my way, my kingdom, all the time. I, I do it all the time. I'm not condemning you. God's convicting me. The enemy wants to keep you here. Jesus wants to lift your head up. The early church is formed by the grace of God. The grace of God was everywhere, abundant on them. Overwhelmed by gratitude for God's abundant grace, they were generous, they prayed, they served. The early church was all in. It's happening right now in South Korea. It's happening right now in China. It's happening right now in South America. I believe it's happening right now in Grover Beach. We are lifting our heads up and giving and being kind and being generous and loving people right where they are, and it's changing their lives dramatically. Somebody say shazam. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on. This is incredible what God is doing. I'll never forget when uh, my oldest son, Jonah, he had brain surgery when he was seven and a half years old. And we were down at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles in Hollywood. Nothing happens in Hollywood that's about Hollywood. Does that make sense? Hollywood is no longer in Hollywood. Hollywood. Hollywood, the movie industry, is in Culver City, which is down south farther, or it's in other places, but it's not in Hollywood. You know what happens in Hollywood? Homelessness happens in Hollywood, okay? And Children's Hospital is literally on the Strip. It's on the Hollywood Boulevard in Children's Hospital is Los Angeles. So I'd walk down. We'd go out and take walks, and we'd walk down, and literally at every single star on the Walk of Fame was a guy. Or two or three. And the businesses there, they had to create opportunities for people to walk in, but it was a pretty depressed area because the homelessness is just out of control there. And literally the grime on the streets, the dirt on the streets would go up the walls of the businesses. So these white buildings or whatever color they were wouldn't be their color. They would just be like black with grime. Except one day, one morning I was walking out cuz we had to walk down Hollywood Boulevard just a little bit in order to get to the Ronald McDonald house where we were staying when Jonah was doing his physical therapy after his brain surgery and you know, walking down and all of a sudden there's no homeless people on Hollywood Boulevard anymore. And I'm like what is going on? And the streets were sparkling clean. And all of the street had been repaved and repainted. And I was like what is happening? Like it was like it was crazy. Well what was happening was a movie premiere. Right, the the studios had invested, you know, seven hundred million dollars or three hundred million dollars in whatever Star Wars film was being released that week, and so what they did is at the Chinese Man Theater, which is on Hollywood Boulevard, that's where the premiere was going to be, and so they spent however much money, literally bussing all of the homeless people away. Like, I don't know where they went, but they weren't there, right? But can you imagine, I mean, and after about a week, all of them kind of migrated back, and then two days later, it was just as dirty as it was before. But can you imagine, can you imagine if walking down Hollywood Boulevard, the streets just stayed clean, and all of the homeless people were gone, and you ask somebody, what happened? Like, did they, like, like ship them to Texas as an act of revenge? I mean, like, what? Like... Did you hear that? <laughs> Texas shipped all of their all of their homeless to d c Wow. Cities in, in California do that to each other all the way all the time, by the way. Modesto ships its homeless to San Francisco constantly, and then San Francisco gives them to San Jose and then San Jose gives them to us. But that's just <laughs> how it works. Um, but can you imagine if you asked somebody what was going on and, and they said? Oh, it's cool. There was a little house church that was like 11 people, and now it's 5,000 people plus. And the reason why it's 5,000 people plus is because all of those people on the streets, they were, got healed, and they got restored, and now they're working, and I was one of them. And wow. Wow. Can you imagine if that happened in L.A.? Because that's what happened in the early church in Jerusalem. Okay? Yeah. Now, here we go. Two examples. One really good, one really bad. Here we go. Are you ready? We're in the meat of it now. Verse 36. Here we go. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. So, number one, he's a pastor. He's a Levite. Number two, he's from Cyprus. So, he serves in a local synagogue in Cyprus, which is not in Jerusalem, by the way. It's its own little island. Right? And so then he comes to Jerusalem for Passover because. That's what he was going to do. And then he stays there because the Holy Spirit descended, or he was there for Pentecost, which is the... Is that my phone? Oh, God. Okay. Uh, it's ex- my exact ringtone. It's Jesus. Um, so, so he's a pastor, and, and guess what? He's from Cyprus, and then when the Holy Spirit falls, he doesn't go back to Cyprus. He stays, he stays in Jerusalem. He's like, this is so cool. This is amazing. And his wife is like, honey... And he's like, no, 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 come here, right? This is amazing. So the apostles gave him a nickname, and the nickname is Barnabas, Barnabas, which is a, a, a word that means son of encouragement. What did Joseph, or a.k.a. Barney, do? Verse 37, read it with me. He sold a field he owned in Cyprus, by the way, right? And brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This happens from time to time at the church when somebody will give a sum of money to the church and all of us are stunned and awed. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, somebody gave $10,000 just to the deacon fund so that people within our church would have all of their needs met. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It's incredible. And... I mean, everybody's like, you are so encouraging, Joseph. You are so encouraging. You are so... You know what? We're just going to rename you Barney. <laughs> and the purple dinosaur ruined that, but Barnabas was really, like, he was amazing, okay? Now, here's, that's a good example. Now, people pay attention, right? Because when you start getting nicknames, remember, P- Peter had a nickname as well, right? Right? It was, Get Behind Me Satan, and, and then it tr- changed, right? And he became the rock Because that's, right. that's what Cephas literally means In Greek The rock Right So now A man verse, Chapter 5 verse 1 Here you go Read with me Now a man named Ananias Together with his wife Sapphira Also sold a piece of property Woo-hoo. Two people in the same week Giving big chunks of money to the church That gets pastors excited <laughs> Right and not because we're gonna build a nicer building, but because we get to give more money away. Right. Now, verse two, check out what they do. With his wife's full knowledge, uh-huh. aha. <laughs> Keep on reading. He kept back, but brought the rest, and put it at the apostles' feet. Hmm, what's going on here? The tra- poser. Poser. That's exactly right. Gary's right. (laughs) Trying to look good. Now, this is the most blatant example in the New Testament that the devil can affect your life as a saved believer. Don't think that just because you say yes to Jesus that the enemy isn't at work overtime to deceive you. Okay? We're in a battle, y'all. Wake up. These two are lying, they're performing, they're being deceitful, they're being hypocritical. They don't need to be at all. Greed is not their issue. God didn't ask them to give them all the money. Their issue is vanity. They want to look like Barney. Does that make sense? They want the prestige and the reputation without the cost, without the sacrifice. As one commentator, R.C. Sprouls, put it on this passage pious pretense, religious sham. This is simulated holiness, Christian fraud. Ooh. Situation went like this Ananias and Sapphira go to Peter and say, Well, like Barnabas, <laughs> let's take you out to lunch, Peter. Hold on. Have a seat. Okay. Like Barnabas, um, we'd like to give all the proceeds of the sale to the church as well. And we have some ideas for our nicknames, right? So just, you know. <laughs> Peter responds with joy. He starts thinking of new nicknames. He's like, absolutely, Ananias, 100%, you know? And the day w- and he's excited for both of them. The day comes when Ananias is going to give money to the church, and he and Sapphira make a little plan. They're going to draw it out, Okay. Ananias says, look, I'll go in first, darling, and give the money, and everybody will celebrate us. And then a couple hours later, when you come in after your appointment at the salon, right, they're going to celebrate us all over again, and it's going to be marvelous. Plus, we'll still have money for our trip to Paris. So Ananias shows up, gives the money, and things go a little bit different than he had planned. Verse 3. Ready? Read this with me. Then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now, hold on. Two things. Number one, Satan's at work. Number two, Ananias isn't, Peter's not worried about Ananias lying to him. Peter's worried about Ananias lying to the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why the Jews tied a rope around the ankles of those who entered into God's presence in the Holy of Holies. Because God's presence is holy. Y'all can die in front of God's presence. They had to drag your corpse out. Peter says this Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? He's like, look, I don't care if you kept money for yourself. Go to Paris. Invest in that thing. Save some. Give it to your kids. doesn't matter how much you give. Peter says, what made you think of doing such a thing, a.k.a. lying? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And I don't know how Peter found out. Maybe the Holy Spirit told him. Maybe another believer bought Barnabas' piece of property and be like, hey, Peter, praise God, I just bought this amazing piece of property for this much money. Barney sold it, or or Ananias sold it to me. And Ananias is like, here's the whole amount. None of us are forced to give anything. We give freely. Whatever we decide to give It doesn't make any sense that Ananias and Sapphira would then pretend to give more, but they knew what they were doing. Here's the thing, Ananias and Sapphira, they're Christians. They got filled with the Holy Spirit just like everybody else. We're going to see them in heaven. Can you imagine how many conversations they've had with people? (laughs) It's just like billions of Christians. Wait, wait, so tell me again how this works? And they're like... Sure, absolutely. Don't think that you're any different, because we're just like them. Look, we know how it feels to have perfection be our God, don't we? For those of you who struggle with that, where you beat yourself up if you're not perfect, because you're so consumed with getting it right all the time, as though you could. It's just another form of vanity. It has you lying about your imperfections, which is exactly what Ananias and Sapphira did. We know what it feels like to have God, uh, uh, one of our gods be vanity, right? Did three sit-ups last month. I, I was getting up to get more cookies. and like, We get so concerned about how we look. Not because we're proud of the body that God gave us, but because we're worried about the silent criticisms that come from other people. Because we put more weight on their thoughts than we do on what God thinks about us. We know the struggle of pride, thinking, God, I don't need to rely on you. I don't need to trust you. I could just get what I want when I want, how I want it, when I want it. We know that arrogance in others doesn't look good, but we're totally fine with our own. I'm not arrogant. You are. When you live with sin, when you live with secrets, the secrets of your sin, it's going to eat you alive. It will kill you. Why? Read this with me, loudly sin is death that's the story of the bible sin is death and the other story of the bible is we don't think it is it is sin kills relationships sin kills businesses sin kills churches sin kills families sin kills marriages sin is death lie long enough be selfish long enough be angry long enough, and every relationship that you have will come to a very poor end. Pretend long enough that you're being obedient to God. Pretend that prayer. Don't just kind of push it off long enough. And you know what's going to happen to your heart? You've all been there before. Your heart will harden, and then you will find, you will find yourself seeking life in places that you vowed you never would. skate by long enough, let others carry the weight long enough, avoid responsibility and hard work long enough, and that family that you're building, as you pretend to parent but really aren't, what's going to happen to it? Some of you who have grandkids and your kids are away. You know the pain of that one. My son is 15. i got a 15-year-old, and Levi's taller than me now. I've been telling them for years, once you're taller than me, you're better than me. I got it's a joke, y'all. Come on. It's a joke. They're like, oh, no, Andy.
0: <clears throat>
1: April and I learned the hard part is that both for Levi and for Jonah, all the stuff that happened with Jonah's health scares is that we, we, we stopped parenting Jonah and we started babying Jonah because we felt sorry for him. And now he's a 17-year-old monster who wants what he wants all the time and has not been told no until the last six months. That's my fault. Sin is death. Death. God takes sin seriously. That's why Jesus died for you. Jesus didn't teach sin away. Jesus didn't social work sin away. Jesus didn't like Alakazam miracle it away. How did Jesus kill sin? He died on the cross. He took sin with him on the cross. Because that's the only way sin dies. It's with death. That's the nature of sin. Sin is death, which means the only way that sin can die is through death. death. So if you keep sin long enough in your life, what is it going to do? It'll kill you. A part of you, something in your life, it will die. Don't downplay your sin. Take it seriously. You have a willing substitute in Jesus who died for it. And if you're willing, you can receive what he's done for you and give up your sin so that it no longer kills you. Somebody say amen. I'm preaching the gospel says right now. So that's what Peter says to Ananias. Dude, what are you doing? Take sin seriously. You're not getting away with anything, Ananias. It's not like I know you're lying. God knows you're lying. What are you doing? You're just letting death into your life, and that's exactly what happens. Are you ready? Verse 5, here we go. Woo, here it is. When Ananias heard this, read it with me loud, he fell down and died. That's a heck of a church service right there. Um, you're, you're giving your offering, and you're like, ooh, right? I mean, that's it. Dang, come up for prayer. No thanks, I don't want to die today. Right? And what happened? Then great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Yeah. Heck yes, it did. Yeah. Did you hear Ananias? He gave a bunch of money to the church, then he fibbed about it. And Peter's like, um, and then he died. <laughs> in church. You want to come with me to church on Sunday? Yeah, in church. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is what the youth group did. You ready? This is the start of older adults saying, "How about we get those kids to clean up this thing, <laughs> right?" I have spent so many like youth events in my life, like cleaning up old people's houses and like taking their stuff to the dump. They were gonna donate it to the church; it's just trash, right? They're like, "Here, you could use this." I was gonna throw it away. I was like, "No." Verse six. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Can you imagine the youth minister? John, or whoever else? Okay, kids, so today, it's a service project. Uh, It's kind of shocking. Immediately, our minds race, and we kind of panic when we read this. We're like, "Wait, wait, wait! Did God kill Ananias?" Maybe. What does it say? He died. Doesn't say that God killed him. He just says he died. It doesn't say that there's like an, a big angel to be like, "Are you ready?" Are you? Doesn't say that. It just says they died. He died. Did he have a heart condition? I don't know. Did the stress of lying just push him over the edge? I don't know. Will God kill me if I lie? Well, y'all are here, so... You're you're giving 10% of your income to the church, right? Don't lie. Woo! The only absolute answer we have to these two verses is this. We're only as sick as our secrets. What killed Ananias? Ananias killed Ananias. He thought that the layers of deception and lies would never be discovered. There'd be no consequences. Because after all, he's being generous to the church, right? i are not hurting anybody. I'm just holding a little bit back for myself. And, you know, I just want people to know that I'm being generous a little white lie. No big deal. Let's keep reading. It's about to get worse. Verse 7. About three hours hours later, his wife came in, sashaying, nails done, right? Oh, I just came back from the salon. She doesn't know what happened, right? Because it's not like Ananias texted her, I'm dying, right? He just gone, right? By the way, remind me, After I die, I want to text everybody who comes to the funeral and say, thanks for coming. Wouldn't that be good? There's an Irish guy. I love this. He put a recording of himself like three weeks before he died. He knew he was going to die, and he made a recording of himself that says, help, help, help. Somebody get me out of here. It's all a mistake. And they put it in like the coffin. Everybody knew was in on it. They just, that was his sense of humor. Anyways, okay. Three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, pastors sometimes have the worst jobs. Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Let's read what she says. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, she said. That's the price. How do you think is it going to go? <laughs> verse, yeah. verse 9. Ready? Peter said to her, read it out loud to me. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. It's not as though Peter's like killing her. Peter's just watching the color and the life drain from her body. And he's like, oh, she's going down too. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and... Why? Sin is death. Mm -hmm. Then what did the youth group have to do again? Then, Then the youth group came in and finding her dead said, what the heck is happening? And carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Oh man, there's no sugarcoating this story. There's no sugarcoating that sin is death. And Sapphira's death points to a really uncomfortable truth that we didn't quite read in Ananias' death, which is, and Peter says it very clearly. He says, how could you read it? How could you, oh wait, go back one more, sorry. I made a mistake. How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? There it is. Why did Ananias and Sapphira die? Well, their sin, yeah, their secrets, their deception, How did they die? The Holy Spirit said enough. That's how they died. Why is because of their sin. How? It's the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in for a moment. Listen, God isn't Santa Claus. He's not like, oh, it's no big deal. You were awful. Here's your present anyways. If you want sin and death in your life, he'll let you have it. He'll hand you over to it. And sometimes the little deaths in your life will turn into all the way death. It's not cruel. It's not cruel. It's just, in fact, it's your choice. And we know what that feels like in our life, right? where we just kept on making the choice to do what we wanted to do and we just thought, it's not a big deal, it's no big deal. It's not really making all that difference. And then a year or three or five or 10 pass and all of a sudden the wreckage is in your life and you have to live with the consequences of that. Tragically, there's a part of me that would rather live with the weight and stench of death, my little secret rebellions and resentments, instead of living in the freedom and honesty and forgiveness and obedience. But here's the catch. We're a a community that is learning how to talk about this. We can admit together that this is where we are in places of our lives. Not with our whole life, but in parts, yeah? There are seven of you that said yes. I just said we're a community that's learning how to do this, so I'm going to need 100% participation. It's okay. You can lie about this one. Nothing bad will happen. Are you ready? We can admit that there's part of us that wants this. Yes? Yes. Next slide. Only when I admit... That the gospel applies to me, that I'm more broken than I want to admit and more loved than I could ever dare to hope, can God set me free? Yes. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now, Ananias and Sapphira didn't believe that they did anything wrong. They thought that there was this little lie secret. They were happy to live with it. Even if it, when it was exposed, Sapphira could have said, no, I lied. And she would have lived. if you never think that you're more broken than you would want to admit, guess what? You'll stay broken. And you'll never have open hands to receive the love of God because you're too too busy holding on to that reputation that you think you still have. And the results will be that that death will kill you. If you've heard this story before, I told it four years ago. If you were here four years ago and you remember this story, then you'll enjoy this one. But maybe you haven't heard it before. But a dear friend of mine, Jay Shirley, who is a pastor at El Montecito Church down in El Montecito. You know where Oprah lives? Mm -hmm. Um, Told me a story of a woman in his congregation who was struggling with bitterness because she's going through this nasty divorce. Her anger and her bitterness was literally consuming her. And Jay asked why, and she told him this story. Her husband's a lawyer and he was having an affair, mainly because she was getting treatment for cancer and was unable to sleep with him. So his response was, my wife has cancer, I'm gonna go get me some somewhere else. And she's like, what the heck? And at the same time, her kidneys start failing and he's a match. So he says this to her, I'm gonna give you my kidney. You're gonna live. Your chemo will work out. I'm gonna keep on paying for your health insurance so you can do this. You're gonna live in the garage in the backyard. My girlfriend's gonna move in. I'm gonna divorce you. I get everything. You get nothing but your life. What a a gem of a man, right? (laughs) Do you know why she was struggling with bitterness and anger now? Okay, so Jay and her are having conversations and having conversations and having conversations and it it was just, nothing was changing with him and it was just hard and so they were mourning together and they were praying together but she finally came to a place where she was willing to repent of being his judge and, and hating him and so finally, after hours of talking and offering their hearts to God, she prayed this prayer on a Friday night Divorce is about to happen on a Monday, Friday night. She prays this prayer. Lord Jesus, you could pray it with her. You ready? Lord Jesus, forgive me for my resentment. Forgive my unforgiveness. I forgive my spouse and hand them over to you. I'm their judge no longer. And then she did something that was very hard. She said, bless this man. Change his heart. Change his heart. She decided that as much as she could, she's going to try and live with harmony with a man that was holding her hostage, but she, she wanted to live, and so she decided she would be kind. It wasn't just, she was going to have to sign the papers on Monday so that she could actually live, but that's what she was going to do. Next afternoon, on a Saturday, Jay gets a phone call from the woman, and she says, he, Jay says, how's it going? What's going on? And she says, My husband was on the tennis court. He dropped dead of a heart attack. God changed his heart. She got all the money and his kidney. Shazam! Wow. Look, y'all, you're only as sick as your secrets, and God wants you to live a kind of life. God wants you to connect with his heart because what he's done is that Jesus took the shame. Next slide, Rob. Jesus took the shame that you're so desperate to avoid, which means you can be honest about it. Next slide. Jesus paid for the rebellion. You don't want to admit that you have with his own life, which means that you could let it go because he loves you even though you know that you're lost. Lastly, Jesus lived the life you could never live and now grants to you all the righteousness he has earned so now you don't have to try and be perfect all the time. You can talk about what's going on in your life. And as you get it out, that death, Dies in the presence of Jesus. And in exchange, he will give you his life. Do you want that today? So we're going to stand up and share all of our deepest, darkest secrets right now. (laughs) We're going to pray. Let's pray. God, I'm praying on behalf of my friends, but I'm also praying my own heart right now. I don't want to admit all the hard stuff. The difficult things. The places where uh, that are just so fresh. God, I pray for friends, for, for each one of us that we could be honest with. Give us that person that we could just be honest with. That there would be no shame or condemnation. Instead, there would be rejoicing because... A lost son, a lost daughter has come home. And God, we offer to you our broken hearts right now. We ask that you'd remove from us the sin that is killing us. Maybe it's a thing that we're doing. Maybe it's just a lie that we're believing about ourselves, that we're not loved or that we're not enough or that we somehow have to be more. We don't want this death in our life anymore, Jesus. And we ask in exchange that you would give us your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that Ananias and Sapphires are in heaven right now. You said enough to them, but they doesn't mean they lost eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, that even in the middle of our death, you are committed to eternity with us I pray for this church right now that we would begin pulling in the same direction our criticism would fall away our doubts would fall away our generosity and prayer and love would increase we pray these things in Christ's name and all God's people said would you stand for the benediction thank you for Being patient with me, I preach the longer sermon because I can. (laughs) Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance, that's His delight in you, give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Hey, if you want to talk more about this and actually have a moment where you could pray it through. Table Talk starts in 15 minutes across the street. God bless you guys. Have a great day.
0: Pastor Andy Rock is the Senior Pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Ferrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.